What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Obedience. To obey. Obeying the commands of the Lord, obeying the Ten Commandments, or as Jesus later said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. God promised the people of Israel blessing after blessing after blessing if they obeyed him and kept his commandments. Obedience. God promises so many good things if we choose to obey him. So then why is it so hard to do? Why is obedience to God such a difficult thing? Well, in today's story from Nehemiah, we meet some people who had every reason to obey, but still chose to disobey. And Nehemiah, in the end, he had to do something about it. See, Nehemiah had been made governor of Jerusalem by King Artaxerxes, and he ruled in Jerusalem as governor for about 12 years. Well, during that time, Nehemiah brought the people of Judah back to following Yahweh. He reinforced the safety of life behind the walls of Jerusalem. And overall, Nehemiah began a new life for the Jewish people in Jerusalem. It was because of his reforms. It was because of the practices that he reinstituted that we have many traditions and practices of the Jewish people today. Nehemiah is considered by many the father of modern Judaism in many ways. And Nehemiah began some of these practices in his 12 years as governor of Jerusalem. Well, after serving for 12 years, Nehemiah is called back to serve in the palace of King Artaxerxes. And he's probably gone only for maybe two to three years. And during that time, he reports to Artaxerxes how things are going in Jerusalem. And, hey, Artaxerxes, don't worry. We're not about to attack you or run away. We're fine. You don't have to worry about us. Well, after two to three years of serving Artaxerxes, Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem. He gets to return home to the Jewish capital. He's back home amongst his blessed people. Remember, he had left them in a good state, worshiping Yahweh as the one true God, properly worshiping at the temple, living life in obedience to the commands of God. Well, that is what he left. What he found when he returned must have been hugely disappointing. The Jerusalem he returned to was a far cry from the Jerusalem he had left. 
Well, one good thing that had happened is right before he had left, Nehemiah had seen the people begin to change. And what caused them to change? Well, they had listened to the reading of the law. Specifically, they'd listened to the reading of the book of Deuteronomy and probably chapters 23 and verses 3 through 5. And just like before, Ezra or another scribe had stood on that platform and and they had read out from Deuteronomy 23 verses 3 through 5. And while they were reading it, some of the other priests walked among the people explaining the passage to them. And the passage was this, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the Lord's assembly. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, may enter the Lord's assembly. This is because they did not meet you with food and water on the journey after you came out of Egypt. And because Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor and Aram, Naharim, was hired to curse you. Yet the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but he turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. And it says there in Nehemiah that as the people heard these verses, they began to realize many of them were breaking the command of God there. They were married to an Ammonite or a Moabite woman. Now remember in the book of Ruth, right, Boaz, a good Jewish man, marries a Moabite woman named Ruth. And from their offspring comes eventually down the line, way down the line, Jesus. They're part of the line of Jesus, and she's a Moabite. So historically, a Jew could marry a Moabite if the Moabite woman was willing to convert, to start following Yahweh, to start following the one true God, Yahweh, just like Ruth did. But if they didn't, if they continued to worship the God of Ammon and the God of Moab, then you couldn't be married to them. And these men hearing this law for the first time, they were shocked at the sin they were committing. And it says that day, many of them decided they had to give up their wives because these women weren't willing to convert. And they would lead them and their children away from following the one true God, Yahweh. And they had to say goodbye to them that day. The people heard the law. The people had the law explained to them. And then they obeyed. And this is what Nehemiah was thinking. No matter how hard it was to give up a wife you were in love with and had been married to maybe for many years, the people did it obediently. And, and this was the type of people he had left behind. Well, when he came back two to three years later, he had found that the people he had left behind had allowed some things to come into their lives and to lead them away from Yahweh. These people had allowed specifically these huge problems to come in. And instead of dealing with it, instead of obeying, they chose to ignore them or just allow them to happen. Well, the first big problem that Nehemiah discovered 
And Nehemiah was not the type of guy who would just overlook a problem and allow it to happen. No, Nehemiah, when he discovered something that was disobedient to God's law, he had to take action. And the first problem he dealt with and the first problem he found was that one of his biggest enemies from rebuilding the wall was living in the very temple dedicated to Yahweh. You know who that enemy was? His name was Tobiah. Remember, Tobiah had opposed the rebuilding of the wall and basically threatened Nehemiah's life. Well, that is problem number one. We're allowing a guy who threatened my life to live in the temple. Secondly, Tobiah was an Ammonite. He's not even of the Jewish faith. And how many gods is he allowing back into the temple? And what sort of worship is he doing in our temple dedicated to Yahweh? Problem number two. And then the biggest problem of all is that Tobiah is living in the temple. Problem number three. The man who had threatened Nehemiah's very life was living in one of the storerooms of the temple with the full blessing of the high priest Eliashib. What? I mean, this is so many problems, right? The high priest is okay with this and allowing it. The evil Tobiah, the man opposed to God's work from a tribe not allowed to enter the temple. This man was living in the temple in one of the vacant storehouses and we're allowing this. This is cray cray, as they say, right? This is an incredible lack of obedience by the high priest and the Jewish people who knew about it. Tobiah, again, had tried to stop the building of the wall. He had failed, but now he was probably trying to undermine the work of the Lord from inside the very temple and town he had tried to destroy, and he's getting away with it. So when Nehemiah finds out about it, you know what he did in the face of this great disgrace? He became furious and went to Tobiah's room and threw out all of Tobiah's stuff. In righteous anger, I believe, Nehemiah kicked down the door of Tobiah's room, grabbed his sofa, chucked it out, grabbed his recliner, chucked it out, took Tobiah's clothes in the closet and chucked them all out the window. And then to close the deal, Nehemiah had the room cleansed. Now that means either he had it ritually cleansed or he took some Jewish Mr. Cleaner version and just wiped everything down and cleansed the room. I think he ritually cleansed it, but either way, he kicked Tobiah out. But still, Nehemiah's got to be thinking, what a change in three years. You know, when I left, we but before the 12 years, we were fighting to rebuild the wall and the people are behind you. And then two to three years later, we're letting in my biggest enemy inside the house that we tried so hard to protect and build, and we're allowing this to happen? Well, sadly, for Nehemiah, things were about to get even worse. See, at the beginning of his governorship, right? Right at the end of building the wall and before his 12 years began, the people had agreed to make some oaths before the law, to make some oaths before God. And one of those oaths was to keep up the temple, to supply the sheep and the animals, to supply food and money so the priests could keep going there and they wouldn't have to go back home. They wouldn't have to work. One of the problems was the people had agreed to this oath. 
they'd made a promise to supply everything they needed to keep the Levitical to keep the Levitical priests working full time and to keep the temple going. And secondly, they had made an oath to keep the Sabbath, to keep Saturday holy. And that was a big promise. And that was something God had commanded from the book of Genesis onward. We need to keep the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week holy. You can do no work, no work at all. And the people had made an oath to keep the temple running and to keep the Sabbath. Well, guess what? After Nehemiah left, it only took them two to three years. <laughs> to completely fail at keeping their oaths. Well, one of the problems was this. How could Tobiah be living in a spare room, right? In a storage room. If we're actually storing stuff in these storage rooms, if we're keeping the priests happy like we should with food and drink and money, those storerooms should be full. There should be no storeroom available for Tobiah to live in. But the people had sort of gotten busy about their own work. They'd gotten busy keeping their own families alive and feeding their own families, and they totally had forgotten the priests. And they totally forgotten about providing for them. So many of the priests had to quit the priesthood in order to go back home to plow their fields, to harvest their fields, to take care of their animals. And so in the end, they couldn't serve as intended, but they had to go out and work jobs just to keep their family fed. So guess what? The temple was starting to decline. People weren't taking care of it. The, the offerings were not being offered. Things were not happening. The people broke their oath. Well, not only did the people break that oath, they broke the oath about, you guessed it, they neglected keeping the Sabbath. Remember, the Sabbath is on Saturday, and it was a holy day of worship to the Lord. Jewish men would sit with their Jewish brothers and sisters, and, and, and in many ways this was a day dedicated, and it would show that all the Jewish people were a community. We Everybody takes this day off. We do no work. The Sabbath began on Friday night and ended in the wee hours of Sunday. And on the Sabbath, like I said, no work was allowed. And instead, you would you would sit with your family and spend time in prayer and fasting and reading and, and asking for God's blessing upon their family. And you would spend time reflecting on the goodness of God. And remember, the Sabbath was reflected in the very act of creation. Remember, God created for six days and then rested on the last day of the seventh. It was a day holy to the Lord, and it was a day important to Yahweh for the Jewish people to keep. Well, when Nehemiah was gone, the people decided to start working on the Sabbath. In particular, they began to make wine and to sell wine to all the pagan countries around them on the Sabbath. You know, instead of rejoicing in what God had done during his time gone, Nehemiah now has to come back and he has to remind his people of the curses to come. And he had to remind them to keep their vows. Nehemiah, like I said, when he came back, was probably expecting to find people blissfully working along, keeping their promises, doing what they were doing when he had left. But no, 
He had to come back and wake them up. He had to come back and remind his people of the curses to come if they don't keep the Sabbath, if they don't fulfill their vows, if they don't keep their oaths before God. I mean, they had even signed papers earlier that they would not break these things. But clearly the people had either forgotten or they simply didn't care. One thing in particular Nehemiah points out is you are treading grapes to make wine and wine products on the Sabbath. And then you're trading with pagans on that same day. They're trading this this wine, this juice with other people outside the city walls. They're allowing them in and they're allowing them through the city walls to continue trading back and forth. The people in two to three years had become completely immersed in the world and culture around them. They weren't holy. They weren't different. They weren't separate. They had neglected keeping this important command to keep the Sabbath holy, devoted to the Lord. So Nehemiah, he dealt with problem one by kicking Tobiah out, right? Totally chucking stuff out of his room. Well, here he's a man of action again. And Nehemiah makes action, moves to reinstate the Sabbath. He does it by shutting the gates and not allowing the people to enter or leave Jerusalem at 5 p.m. on Friday. And he does not open them again until Sabbath was over on Sunday. He had the priests who had returned because now the people were starting to remember, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to give some of our money to the to the temple. We got to give some of our food to the temple. And they had reinstated that. So now the priests could come back because their family were, were being fed. Well, he takes some of these priests and he says, I want you to stand guard at the gates to make sure that nobody comes in and nobody comes out. Well, the pagan merchants, when they find out they can't get into the gates anymore to on Saturday to sell their goods, they're like, you know what? In defiance, we're going to sit outside the walls. And we're going to yell out our wares. And we're going to talk about all the great food that we have. And, and maybe some of the people will sneak through some of the walls or sneak over the top. Or they'll sneak around the gate and they'll come out and I'll sell my stuff and they'll sell their stuff. Ha! <laughs> We'll continue like normal. No big deal. But Nehemiah, he's like, no. You got to leave. And if you don't leave, I'm going to bring out the army and we're going to physically force you to leave. Nehemiah was serious. Well, these merchants leave. They drag their goods away. Nehemiah dealt with the problem of Tobiah, right? Living in the, a man who's not allowed in the temple, but living there, he, he deals with the problem of Tobiah. Secondly, Nehemiah gets the people to once again start giving their money and their time to the temple so the priest could come back and serve full time and he reinstitutes the Sabbath. Problem number two solved. Everything's great, right? You can't have more than two problems. I mean, he was only gone two to three years. <laughs> Wrong. Nehemiah had one more problem. This was a huge problem. See, Nehemiah discovered that many of the men had foreign wives. 
not just wives from the Ammonites and the Moabites, but from other pagan tribes from surrounding territory, right? And when he found out that these men hadn't listened or hadn't acted when the, the earlier group had acted during the reading of the law from the book of Deuteronomy, right? When he found out that men still had started to bring wives from the other tribes around them during those years he was gone, Nehemiah saw this as a serious violation. And when he found out he got so angry at this violation of God's law that he gathered all the men who had foreign wives. And you know what he did? He pulled their hair and slapped them in the face. That's what the Bible says. What that probably means is he pulled and plucked the hair out of the men's beards and hit them over the head or slapped them in the face. He pulled their beards while giving them a good slap in the face. I can imagine he gathers their leaders around and when he found out what they were doing, he began to tell them off and in righteous anger, he yanked on their beards while he's telling them off and pulled the hair out, slaps them in the face, you know. And I mean, this was a great act of disgrace for these men, for, for a Jewish man of a beard with part of it pulled out or missing, well, that was embarrassing for him and probably meant he had been punished for some reason. It would have been an act of great disgrace. Well, Nehemiah is giving them this huge act of disgrace because he wanted the men to see the seriousness of their sin. And in fact, because of this reaction where he's slapping them in the head, slapping them on the head, slapping them in the face, pulling their beards, because of this reaction, this indicates that for Nehemiah, this problem, marrying foreign wives, it was the greatest violation of all of them. Now, why would that be such a great violation? Why would this be the biggest sin to Nehemiah? Because Nehemiah understood historically what marrying foreign wives had done to Israel. And I can imagine he gathers the men around after pulling on their beards and slapping them around and beating them up. You know, Nehemiah goes on to explain to these men that Solomon, that great king of Jewish history, had sinned in this very way. And by doing so, had brought God's judgment upon Israel. And then he goes on and says, hey, some of your children, they don't even speak Hebrew. They're speaking the language of your wives. And he goes on to tell these men off for allowing their pagan wives to raise them up in the culture and religion of Moab and Ammon and Ashdod and other non-Jewish cultures. You see, these women were not willing to convert to Judaism. These foreign wives were not willing to convert. And instead, these foreign wives were teaching their kids their language and leading them to worship their gods. And this was a direct violation of God's commandments. And it would lead their family to apostasy just like it did. These women are going to draw your heart away from following Yahweh and obeying his commands just like it did for Solomon. And it needed to stop. And hey, I'm sorry about the beard, but seriously, you have to stop. Well, I can imagine one of the men standing there is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, we need to stop. But, well, you know, one of your own priests is married to the daughter of Sanballat. 
I can imagine when Nehemiah pauses and he turns around and he says, say that again? The guy goes, well, uh, one of the sons of Elisha, the high priest, he, he's married one of the daughters of Sanballat. And the guy ducks his head, you know, he's like, please don't hit me, please don't pluck my beard, no, no. Because he sees Nehemiah get angrier and angrier. Because remember Sanballat? Sanballat, the man who had tried to murder Nehemiah? Sanballat, the man who had mocked the building of the wall? Sanballat, who was clearly of Samaria and not a Jew? And Eliashib, okay, the son of a high priest, a man in the Levitical priesthood, was married to a foreign wife. Sanballat had taken this opportunity, I believe, to get his foot back into Jerusalem and try to influence the destruction of that place. Remember, Sanballat had been unsuccessful through outright opposition. He tried to stop the building of the wall in so many ways. So now Sanballat is trying to get in sneakily through the back door. Well, when Nehemiah finds out, the Bible says he went down and he grabs this guy and he punches him. And he pulls his beard to the point where he kicks him out of the city. Get out! He doesn't just pull his beard and then tell him off. No, he pulls his beard, pushes him down the road, and he says, get out and then shoves him out and shuts the gates behind him and his family is following him and they leave the city. Whew. What a day for Nehemiah. And how badly the people had fallen in two to three years. But Nehemiah, when he found out these problems, he dealt with him. Nehemiah, whew. Cleansed the city and he cleansed the priesthood once again. He again led the charge for Judah to obey and celebrate the faithfulness of God. And how did he lead the people to follow Yahweh? He did it by gentle persuasion sometimes, but then other times he did it by literal force. And he did it by getting the people, through persuasion or by force, to focus on one thing obedience. Obedience to Yahweh, Yahweh's commands. Nehemiah wrote near the end of the book, he wrote these words, remember me for this also, my God, and look on me with compassion according to the abundance of your faithful love. What did Nehemiah want God to remember? He says, remember me for this also. What did he want God to remember? That he obeyed the Lord. That he led others in obedience to the Lord. And that he took action to try to make his life as much in line with the commandments of God as he could. You know, I don't think that would be a bad thing to emulate and to copy, right? For by doing that one thing, obedience, and by encouraging those around him to do the same, he changed his city. He changed the people, and he ultimately changed the world. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.